Welcome to Eagles, Globes, and Anchors, the strategically-minded podcast of the Marine Corps War College, covering the intersection of strategy, security, and warfare. Welcome to Eagles, Globes, and Anchors, the strategically-minded podcast of Marine Corps University. Today, we're discussing the first graphic novel ever selected for the Commandant's professional reading list, The White Donkey. My guest today is Terminal Lance himself, Maximilian Uriarte. I think I just butchered that. He's going to correct me. Uh, Max is an artist living in Los Angeles, California. He's an Oregon native and enlisted in the Marine Corps back in 2006 at the age of 19. He deployed to Iraq twice in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. While still on active duty, he created the hit webcomic Terminal Lance, which many of you have probably read in the Marine Corps Times or online. And then in 2016, Max published The White Donkey Terminal Lance, which tells the story of a young Marine's deployment to Iraq and the challenges he faced. Max, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's, again, uh, I had my, my name plastered on my chest for four years, and nobody ever was able to pronounce it correctly. It's technically Uriarte, which is Spanish, uh, Mexican name. Uh, which is a lovely, it sounds lovely. It just is melodious. I like it. <laughs> it sounds lovely when it's said right. But, uh, I, you know, when I was enlisted, I, I always knew, uh, you know, in the morning they would do roll call. And I always knew, like, when they were getting to my name. Because, you know, it would be like, Thompson, Thomas. And then they would just stop, you know, <laughs> stare at the paper. Staff sergeant would just be staring at the paper. And he just had to have no idea how to continue. Just go, uh, yeah, uh, and I'm like, I'm right here. Don't hurt yourself. So it's always a hassle. <laughs> well, we appreciate you being on the podcast. Before we get into the discussion of White Donkey, though, I glossed over most of your background. If you could tell our listeners a little bit more about what you what brought you into the graphic novel genre or what brought you into the, the idea of a comic uh, to begin with, what motivated you to launch Terminal Lance? Was it just something uh, that you did as a personal outlet that kind of went viral? Or were you trying to speak through the comic itself? I think it's kind of both, right? You know, so I, uh, as you had mentioned, I, I enlisted in 2006 and I went to Iraq uh, in 2007 and eight. And then went back again in 2009. And so Terminal Lance was something that I, I actually came up with right after my first appointment. So it's like around 2008-ish or early 2009. I had wanted to do, I had actually always wanted to do a web comic, like in general. Um, even before I enlisted, this is just something that I had been interested in doing. And uh, I had an idea for like a zombie thing that was really into zombie <laughs> stuff. Or this is like, you know, before I enlisted when I was like 18. And, uh, you know, but nothing ever really got off the ground. It's hard, you know, when you're, like, starting with nothing and you have to make your own website and everything, and those tools weren't really available. But, so, I kicked around the idea of Terminal Lance uh, really early in uh, 2008 and 2009. They ultimately didn't end up taking off. But then when I came back from Iraq in 2009, around the end of the year, I think I came back in September-ish, I came home and I was like, you know, I'm getting out soon and uh, I want to do this thing. I want to make a comic strip about the Marine Corps because I found that there there were some funny comics and stuff, not to name names. There are some comics about the Marine Corps, but I felt like they didn't really capture the kind of authentic misery of the Marines <laughs> that I was surrounded by, uh, like myself and other Lance Corporals that had uh, been to Iraq, etc. 
when I it was like I I found that these these other comics or these other sort of like funny little cute Marine Corps things were very celebratory in a way. And when I looked around myself and and how a lot of the Lance locals around me felt, it was like nobody wanted to be here. Everybody just kind of wanted to go home. <laughs> so, I wanted to capture that that misery of like being enlisted and speaking more of a truth to um, the, the experience of being enlisted. Uh, and having something that I could create, as you said, for my own, like, catharsis, I think that it, it actually, I can talk about this a little bit more later, but I think creating Terminal Lance and doing Terminal Lance through my own transition out of the Marine Corps really helped me look at it and examine it and, and make sense of my own experience in a way that I got other people to laugh with me and share that, that transition out. Because that's a really tough thing, uh, getting out of the Marine Corps and adapting to being a civilian again. And yeah, I've been an artist my whole life. Uh, you know, since I was three years old, I've been drawing and painting. And, uh, you know, I, I had classically trained myself a lot before I enlisted. And then when I got out, I used my GI Bill to go to art school. So that was really great. And, um, you know, so art and drawing is something that I've always just loved doing. And to me, my practice is about visual storytelling. I love telling stories, but I love to do it visually because I'm a very visual guy. And uh, so that marriage of imagery and story is, is, I think, my bread and butter and my specialty of profession. <laughs> so that's why I decided to go with comics, the visual storytelling medium. Well, I think it certainly it resonated with not just Marines, but with a, the broader public as well. I think there were probably a lot of brothers and sisters and parents and aunts and uncles who maybe felt like they could connect better to their loved one's military experience via your comic because that was it was helping them to see a, a marine experience that maybe their loved one wouldn't vocalize to them as a family member, not a marine, but but maybe a vicarious attachment as well. Because I think you're very popular not just with uniform personnel, you also seem to be very popular with family of uniform personnel or friends of uniform personnel, and I wonder if that's part of the connection. You know, I I what I love about doing Terminal Lance is seeing how many people really resonate with it, and including the white donkey. You know, I get emails all the time from people that are, you know, they're like, I, I I, love the emails that are from family and friends, right? Like, I get stuff from, you know, Marine spouses, from the guys that are like, oh, you know, my dad was in the Marine Corps 20 years ago and never talked about it, but I started reading her comic, and now I just, like, it all kind of makes sense. You know, and I, I get him, and, like, we were able to connect on that level. So I love that stuff, but I also really love the emails that I get that are like, I've literally never even heard of the Marine Corps, but I started reading your comic, and it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and now I'm really into it for some reason, you know. And I get those, too. So, um, you know, I think that focusing on humor, you know, there's things that I try not to make Terminal Lance, like, too technical and too mm-hmm. too insidery. I mean, there is an insider element to it, obviously, but I think that when you, you present humor, like, something that's funny to you is hopefully going to be funny to other people, too. And in my own taste of stuff, I just figure whenever I'm making a comic strip, I just I think to myself, like, if this joke makes me laugh out loud, then I'm hopeful and I can assume that it's going to make other people laugh, too. And uh, whether they're civilian or military or not, that's how that's sort of my barometer. Whether something's mm-hmm. actually funny is if I can actually think of the joke and, and laugh out loud when I come up with it. And then my wife is just sitting there going, like, why is he laughing at nothing? You know, just <laughs> some, some stupid joke in my head that, you know, I'm going to make a Terminal Lance comic. 
That's good though. You you keep the uh, the relationship fresh by uh, keeping her guessing what's going on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know the Marines. The Marines keep me fresh too because they they send me stuff all the time. Uh, oh, I bet messages and emails that I get. Yeah. Uh, are my favorite thing about doing terminal ads. When it comes to the white donkey, I'm not going to suggest that there isn't humor in the white donkey, but it's got some significant depth to it in terms of the issues that you grapple with. And I'm going to try to be very careful here because I want people to go out and actually read the white donkey. So I don't want to, I don't want to, no spoiler alerts here, but right. talk to our listeners a little bit about how you selected the main themes or the storyline. How did that come together for you? And then we'll talk about the illustrations that accompany that storyline. Yeah. So I went through a lot with the White Donkey. I mean, I, I, as a storyteller, I mean, the reason I joined the Marine Corps was because I wanted to be an artist that, that had some kind of worldliness, you know, like, and this is my 19 year old idea of, you know, what I needed to do as an artist. I was like, <laughs> I, short of, so this is really funny, but I love the movie Batman Begins, Christopher Nolan film. Uh-huh. Batman, obviously everybody knows Batman. And, um, it, there's this element of it where Bruce Wayne like hops on a, a, a cargo ship and just like goes, he just, he just leaves, you know, and goes to explore the world and like learn ninjutsu and like all kinds of great stuff. And short of doing that, it was like, what can I do for myself that was going to give me some kind of understanding of the world that I wasn't getting as a, you know, 19 year old kid in Oregon. And so, you know, I, I was the right age and gender, and there was a war in Iraq going on, and I was like, you know what? I want to go to Iraq. And what's the quickest way I can go to Iraq? Uh, and that's join the Marine Corps Infantry. So that's what I did. That was essentially my, my, <laughs> uh, my mindset. And so I started coming up with the White Donkey really while I was in Iraq. I mean, that first deployment, there were things that, that kind of stood out to me, and I knew that I wanted to tell stories. I didn't necessarily know I was going to tell a story about that, but or or create Terminal Alliance at that point. But you know, there there are always these these moments that stick out to me. And the White Donkey itself, that was a real event that happened when I was in Iraq. You know, it's one of my first patrols outside the wire, and uh, I, was, I was in the backseat. It basically happened exactly like it happened. Like I was in the backseat of a vehicle. Uh, we were a mounted platoon, so we were we had five uh, vehicles traveling down Zidon Road. It was one of my first patrols outside the wire, and I remember, you know, they tell you in the training leading up in the workup, look out for anything suspicious in the road, look out for any kind of, like, craters and trash, etc. Uh, but what they don't tell you is that Iraq is, like, a war zone and a third world country, and there's craters and trash and stuff everywhere. And so I'm looking out the window, and I'm freaking out, like, Internally, you know, I'm like, oh, uh, you know, I, I'm gonna die out here. Like, it's insane. I don't know why I decided to do this. <laughs> it's a bad idea. And uh, I remember the vehicle, the, the convoy just stopped, and uh, nobody knew what was going on. And so my platoon commander was in. I was in Big Two, where the platoon commander was, and he was in the seat in front of me. And he gets on the horn, and he, he the radio. He gets on the radio, and he calls up to Big One. He's like, Big One, this is Big Two. Why did we stop? And Big One response is my section leader, Corporal Albrecht, who's actually in the book. There's a donkey in the road. And I was just like, what does that mean? You know? So as a dis- I was a dismount at the time. And so I got out of the truck and I remember looking down the road to the front of the convoy and there was a donkey, uh, in the road. It was a white donkey. 
And it stood out to me because I'd never seen a white donkey. You know, this all, it was also like 120 degrees outside. This could have just been some kind of fever dream or something. I don't know. Kind of like heat stroke I was having. But uh, I remember looking at the front of the convoy and seeing this donkey, and it wasn't it wasn't stuck in the road. It wasn't crossing the road or anything like that. It was walking dead center in the road in the same direction that we were going as if it was leading us. <laughs> and that image just like emblazoned into my psyche and like I could not stop thinking about it. Much like in the white donkey, you know, this idea, this image just plagued me. It was like I could not stop thinking about this, this thing. It, it stood out to me because, you know, here we are five vehicles. Uh, five trucks, Marines, 25 Marines in the platoon, every weapon you could possibly imagine. We got machine guns, we got grenades, we got grenade launchers, we got everything you could want. So all the power and might of the United States military brought to a screeching halt by the most benign animal ever. You know, this ass made us, made us all kind of look like an ass, you know. And there was something really, um, powerful about that to me and it just sort of stuck with me and when I got out of the Marine Corps you know this story was sort of picking in the back of my head you know in early 2010 2011 well, I did Kickstarter in 2013 but uh, the story had been kind of bubbling and like that really became uh, the central theme of the story grounding everything that went around it was this white donkey this event and that really became the theme of the entire book so much so, like, I, I originally didn't plan on calling the book The White Donkey. I just was going to call it Terminal Lance, the graphic novel, or whatever. But it just, it became such a powerful part of the book and of the story that it just took over the whole thing. And I was like, this is what the story is about. And so that became the title. And it was like so much so that it became the title of the book. And yeah, so there's, there's obviously like that experience uh, of The White Donkey. The whole story as a whole is really, a lot about coming of age and expectations versus reality and, you know, trauma and all these themes kind of work together. And as you said, humor, you know, I find that put Marines in any room together, there's going to be humor mm-hmm. uh, at some point. So it's impossible to write Marines without humor because uh, they're the funniest people on the planet. So all those things, you know, as I thought about encapsulating my experience in Iraq and in the Marine Corps, because uh, it's such a crazy experience to go through. You know, for me, the white donkey was really getting at the core of, pun intended, of what, what it meant. You know, like I, it, as a, as a sort of prominent figure in the veteran space or in the military space or whatever you want to call it, you know, I'd seen people put out books of like memoirs and their, their kind of experiences or whatever. But for me, I, I wasn't as interested in that as much as I was really boiling it down to the meaning and what was the point, what was the purpose, and what did I get out of that. Like, if I could distill my entire Marine Corps experience down into one thing, one thesis, like, what was it? And so that's what the White Donkey ended up being, and that's why I fictionalized it as well, because it allowed me to work with it in a way that you obviously can't do with nonfiction, because it's all reality, and sometimes reality does not give us the literary elements that we need to tell a story. Right. Well, and you certainly, this, the novel has some incredibly deep themes. I mean, you deal with PTSD, you deal with alcoholism, mental health issues, suicide. 
fictionalizing the story, I think, probably allows you a little bit of that emotional standoff. So you could dig more deeply into those issues than perhaps if you were dealing with actual names of actual people, even though, as you've identified, some of this was inspired by actual names and actual people. But how do you think the the graphic nature of the white donkey also helps you grapple with some of these more challenging issues in a way that we don't get out of public service discussions or service-wide mental health conversations or conversations about suicide? Is there anything, because this is a real challenge for the Marine Corps, is there anything through using fiction or using a graphic novel or visual arts that help us as humans grapple with these more challenging issues on a deeper, maybe more therapeutic level? I think so. I think people are very visual in general. I I think that humans are very visual. Mm. I think that we see things, we see a face, and we immediately know what that person is feeling. You know, we know what people are thinking and feeling just by looking at them. And so there's a lot of emotion and weight in imagery. And I also, you know, I like to make comics for Marines because I know they don't read very well. And (laughs) (laughs) no crayon jokes Um, here. (laughs) Uh, I know it's supposed to be a very serious discussion. I think there's something about the imagery that makes it more accessible in Mm -hmm. a way. You know, like when you, when you pick up a novel, you pick up a book, you, you know, you're getting a bunch of words. You're getting something from the author that is their own ability to string together sentences and get their point across. Um, but when you pick up a comic or, or a movie or, or anything visual, there's so much that's just implied and so much that you don't need to. It's not about creating uh, literary prose. You know, it's not about, you know, beautiful writing. It's about getting information across in a way that's immediate and accessible and is relatable, too. I mean, you see characters and you feel like these are people, like these are real you know, people that are living in the story and you're part of this now, now you're watching it. So I think it's, it's, it's a different kind of mental grappling that people have when they read comics or watch a movie versus uh, reading a book. You know, I, I think also because books, literary books, I mean, like novels, are so open to interpretation in a sense, like that you're imagining all the characters, right? Like you're like, you come up with your own version of characters. Whereas in, in a movie or a graphic novel or a comic, you're being shown what it is. Like you're, it's it's made for you. Like you're, it's put in front of you. So you don't really get a say in the matter. So if there's information being given to you. It's not necessarily open to interpretation in the same way that like a novel. So I think there's sort of a different way that we interpret what we see versus what we have, what we read. And I, I think that novels can be kind of intimidating sometimes for people who don't read a lot of them. And you know, there's like book people and there's like not book people mm-hmm. and um, so I think a graphic novel is a great kind of middle ground where it's like here's something that is a book but it's very visual and it's accessible and it can reach I think a wider group of people that maybe won't be inclined to pick up another novel you know? and it, it's also like and this isn't to discount the work of anybody else obviously but you know there's a lot of books out there and so I think that The White Donkey kind of stands out as being this like this is different like this is a different thing so you may be more inclined to see it and think oh this is really unique i'm gonna take a look at this you know and ultimately when i'm trying to get a story across to people that i want to resonate with them i want them to 
pick it up. I want them to pick it up and look at it and give it a shot. So, you know, I think being able to reach a wider group helps the white donkey in that sense. Mm -hmm. What was the hardest part of riding the white donkey? You know, the whole thing was hard. Uh, (laughs) I think Life. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Life. I mean, that's the thing. Like, the white donkey was, it's a book that, that terrifies me in a way that it's hard to explain as the creator of it. It, it's hard for me to even open up the book and look at it. My own, my own thing. Like I created this monster in a way that it's like I'm terrified of even opening it up and looking at it because to me, it forces me to relive a lot of it um, mm-hmm. and relive not just the experiences of those four years of my life, but of writing it was a was a kind of traumatic thing to do to sit down and actually like pour all that soul into that book was an experience. So that, I think, was the most challenging part of writing it. But then, you know, you get into the story structure and all that kind of stuff, and that's that's more, you know, straightforward stuff to talk about. But, well, thank um, you for coming on the podcast and reliving uh, a painful part of your life. We appreciate your sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, if, if we want to have like, an open discussion about story structure, I mean, that's all stuff that's really important, too. And it's funny because people ask me, like, you know, what what other books have you read that inspired the white donkey? And I'm like, none. Like, not a single book <laughs> that I have read uh, is applicable to the white donkey. It doesn't, like, none of that stuff matters. Because all that stuff, like, and people people think that because I, I am a New York Times bestselling military author, right, that I've read a bunch of military books. And I'm like, I did not read a single Tom Clancy book or whatever to inspire me to, to write the white donkey. You know, that, that just didn't happen. And so when I think of story, to me, the white donkey is a, a exercise in storytelling craft, um, as much as it, as it is in visual craft of creating art and, uh, drawing and painting. There's a craft involved of story craft where you have information that you need to get across to the reader and you need to present it in a way that they interpret it the way you want them to at the right time and moment. Because you're trying to get the audience to feel a certain emotion at that moment. Because those emotions guide them through the rest of the story. And ultimately, what I keep in mind at all times is the reader and their emotions as they're reading anything that I write. Because that's ultimately the most important part. So when I when I think of things that inspired me when I made the Lidaki, I actually I looked at Jurassic Park, the huh. movie. <laughs> Which may be a weird answer, but that's that's the movie that I broke down and I, I looked at the screenplay and I was like, this is a perfect story as it's told as far as storytelling craft goes, uh, getting across characters and themes and story structure. And so I broke that movie down and I said, how is this movie made? How is this movie told? And that was a bigger inspiration to me making The White Donkey than, than any <laughs> you know military work, which sounds really weird, but that's how I approach story craft. Like to me, the, the subject is kind of irrelevant to the storytelling of how you get that information mm-hmm. across to people. Cause I know the story I want to tell. I don't need other people's inspiration to tell it, you know, and that's, that's how I approach it at least. So other people obviously have their own uh, ways of going about this stuff, but I think of it really in terms of craft of like, how do I tell a story? I don't know if that answers your question at all, but <laughs> it does. Well, and it segues into the next question that I want to ask you. I'm going to quote you back to you, which is always uh, a little fraught. So apologies in advance for that. But but you yeah, have recently written uh, that Marines, for as bullheaded and invincible as they might see themselves, 
They are first and foremost human. It, it is interesting to me, and I think to a lot of the readers, that one of the main themes in The White Donkey is that you don't see the enemy. And it, one, for a graphic novel that is visual, inherently visual, that's got to be really hard to write a storyline with a visual depiction where the enemy is absent from the main medium, right? And so talk to us a little bit about uh, how you pulled that off, about how you grappled with that, how that connects to this idea that, that Marines might be tough. And I, I have said a couple of times that you can kill a Marine, but you'll never stop them. But how do we get at the, when the enemy is invisible, when we can't see it, when it perhaps might even be internal, how do we grapple with that? How do we move forward from that? Yeah, um, you know, it, Marines being human first, I think, is the central thesis of literally all of my work with Terminal X. I mm -hmm. mean, that's, that's yeah. sort of what it's all about. I mean, that's how you make a comic about Marines, is understanding that the people, and they have the same thoughts and feelings and stuff. I think a lot of military writers or people on the outside who were not enlisted and write military movies or whatever, that's the fundamental thing that they miss, is like they, they, they write it from a place of exceptionality. So they put it on a pedestal and they, they write it from the outside uh, looking in, whereas myself, I write Marines from the inside looking out, and so I write them from a place of normality. Mm -hmm. So to me, when I write a Marine, that's a base level, right? It's not an exceptional thing. Like, that's the starting point. So the rest is, what do they do as people? Like, what do they do as human? And as far as the enemy and the white donkey goes, I mean, that was a big part of the theme of the book, was... This is, this is a story about war that's not really about a war. It's not, it's not really about the war. You know, it's about this Marine's internal war with himself. And so, you know, the, the enemy would have just distracted from the whole story. Like it just it would have made like the whole story. And you only have so much time and space to say anything in a script or in a book. So you have, you have these like moments, these, these, these chunks of time that you're dealing with when you write a script and it's like, what can you get across in that? Does it serve the larger purpose of the story? So it's like, could I have put, you know, some scene in the book where you do get to see the enemy? Like, I guess, but it, it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered for the larger scope of what the story is about and uh, what the point of the story was. It, it also, again, as you said, like, it, it, this book is about this invisible enemy of the self and, uh, you know, PTSD and these, these other uh, specters that we can't really visualize. So I think that putting an overtly, you know, literal enemy in the in the book would have been really a mistake. And I think that the, the enemy, like, it's always this ghostly kind of specter. And that's actually reflective of how my experience in Iraq was. It was like, we never knew mm. what the enemy really looked like or really was. It was like we were there. There was an insurgency and there were, you know, terrorists and that's all we knew. And it's like, what do, what do they look like? They look like everybody else. There was no uniformed enemy team. You know, it, it just, that's not the nature of this war. So not depicting the enemy in the white talkie really speaks to the larger themes of not just Abe's journey in the story, but of the war in Iraq itself. I mean, that was really a big point was that there was there really an enemy? Like, was there anything? Like, what was it? Like, it was just such a weird experience uh, to never see the enemy team and to never, like, know who it was going to be or what it was, you know? I have a suspicion that when you wrote The White Donkey, you did not anticipate 
that four mere years later, you would find yourself on the Commandant's professional reading list. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, but I got a hunch that that's true. What does it mean to you that you've been selected for the Commandant's reading list? Uh, I think it's really great. I mean, you know, the White Donkey is obviously part of the Terminal Lance lexicon. It's it's part of that universe of stuff. And I think that it speaks to the impact that Terminal Lance and myself have had on the Marine Corps at large. And, you know, starting from the bottom, now we're here. Like, I started as a Lance Corporal getting out as a Terminal Lance, which is a true story. And I got out of the Marine Corps as a Lance Corporal. And here we are now talking about, you know, a Terminal Lance book on the Commandant's reading list. And I think it just, you know, it, it feels really great to know that the work has resonated with the people that it was intended for, which is the, the Lance Corporals of the Marine Corps, the, the Marines of the Marine Corps, you know, to know that they are appreciating the work for in the way that it was meant to be. And that it means that much to them, that they would put it on that list and say, this is something that all Marines should read. It, you know, it feels great. It, it's really good. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, it's just, it's it's cool. It, it's really, uh, it feels like it's kind of come full circle in a way from, you know, me leaving the Marine Corps and starting Terminal Lance to 10 years later and boom, now, you know, we're talking about me being on the Commandant's reading list and my work being on that reading list for all Marines recommended reading. So it's really cool. It, it feels good. So you are now out of uniform. There are no more fit reps. There are no more promotion requirements. So you can speak freely and tell the Commandant what he ought to do. You are the first graphic novel on the Commandant's reading list, a pretty notable accomplishment from what historically has been more history or political science or more technical military. I don't want to say doctrine because that tends not to be on the reading list, but more formal military works. How else do you think the, the reading list should evolve over time to keep up with Marines' professional development needs in 2020, moving forward for the next decade? You know, it's, it's hard for me to say. I, I, think, I think that Marines and the military in general, at large, they tend to be very literal about stuff. So it's like, you know, here's a book about readiness and, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, whatever. It's, like, it's some very literal idea of, like, what we want Marines to learn. But with the white donkey, I didn't approach it like that. It wasn't like the literal didn't really matter. It was what did I want? What was the bigger picture? Like what what did I want people to take away from this book and see it and, and learn from it or, or get from it? And so it's sort of like, I don't, I don't know, it's identifying, I guess, works of literature, or I would say even movies. Uh, I think movies could be on the reading list. I think Marines be a lot more likely to, to watch them too. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, again, they don't read very well. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think that, uh, you know, I think that any work that inspires emotional strength and emotional virtues that we want Marines to have or to uh, learn from, I think is what we should be looking at. I think that the literal doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. The literal of like, this book is really great for, you know, officer planning of sieges on cities. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just making it up spit more. Mm -hmm. But, like, the very literal stuff, like, all that stuff is very arbitrary and dumb. What, what really matters is the emotional takeaway from something and what people can gain from it. What does it add to their character as a person? Uh, what soul-enriching experience can we give people to take away and be better people? 
at the end of the day. And that, that I think, is where the focus should really be on less on the literal and more on the emotional takeaway of something. At least that's how I view it. And I think that as far as a, a reading list goes, I think that I think it's really awesome that it has expanded to include a graphic novel. I think there's also a lot of great movies, documentaries, you know, about great stories that are inspiring. You know, like I, I think there's all kinds of room for interpretation on on what it means. What is what should be recommended for Marines to watch and read and look at? Even video games, I could say. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of interactive stuff. I'm a big gamer, so you know, games, the landscape of those things have changed too. So I just think it's it's about you know identifying media that can inform the character of Marines and make them better people, or, or at least try to, or or try to instill some kind of virtue of, of what take away from it. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but anything in the pipeline that you want to share with our listeners? Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, oh, great. <laughs> by the time this airs, it will already be out. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not going to say anything about it right now. Uh, but we do have an exciting animated thing coming out very soon. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. And um, there's also a new graphic novel, Battleborn, Flatness Lazuli, which just came out a couple of months ago. And that is a 352-page graphic novel. Wow. Um, written and illustrated by yours truly about Marines uh, in Afghanistan, about Sergeant King in Afghanistan and, and uh, taking the fight for the Taliban around the, the gemstone trade. So definitely check that out. If you like the White Donkey, you, you will probably also like Battleborn. Uh, it's, it's a much different kind of vibe and a different story, but it is another story by yours truly about Marines abroad. So check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And I'm excited to see what happens with this animated surprise that's coming soon. That'll be great, too. Coming very soon. I hope, it's, I hope people like it. <laughs> <laughs> so last question, and this is a, a standard question we ask everyone who comes on the podcast, and that is, what are you reading right now that our listeners should know about? And of course, you can interpret reading more broadly to include video or, or audio, other other media. Yeah. Um, gosh, what am I reading right now? You know, I've been working so much. I haven't really had a lot of time to be reading. But I do. Uh, Cyberpunk just came out. I've been playing that. It's a video game. Uh, <laughs> that's been a big deal. It's actually really cool. It's, it's a cool, like, medium. I mean, there's a lot of, like, storytelling and world building and stuff going on in there. And I've been really impressed by games lately. You know, I played Death Stranding. It was, like, one of the most interesting pieces of fiction that I've, I've seen. It's another video game in a very long time. You should check that out. It's a really interesting uh, <laughs> world building uh, hmm. kind of thing. But yeah, I, I am not currently actively uh, reading anything. I should probably be, though. <laughs> well, there's an entire reading list you could draw from. <laughs> <laughs> there is. I should check with other books out. Uh, so, Max, thank you so much for coming on the show. You can follow Terminal Lance on Twitter and Facebook and probably other social media platforms that I'm not going to talk about right now. But to keep up with the good work of Marine Corps University, follow us on social media at, at Marine Corps U. Special thanks to our intrepid producer, Jen Patcha Howell. I'm your host, Becky Johnson. Thank you for listening to Eagles, Globes, and Anchors, the strategically minded, innovative podcast of Marine Corps University. This concludes the EGA podcast. Thank you for joining us. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the United States Marine Corps or the Department of Defense. You can follow the Marine Corps War College on Twitter, 
Instagram and Facebook at at McWar College. And as always, our podcast music is Stuck in Traffic by Romero. Have a great day.